Welcome to A Satisfied Mind podcast, a show for and about people who are curious and passionate about having a positive impact and leaving this planet and each other better than we found it. My name is Mikey Ellis, a former teacher, a recovering people pleaser and overthinker. I'm a quarantined couch sitter and enthusiastic park walker and park bench sitter, which just so happens to be a wonderful perspective from which to study human behavior. Each episode, I'll be sharing some lessons learned from adventures in the personal and spiritual development world and stories about why we do what we do, as well as interviews with fascinating and inspiring people who are leading lives of meaning and purpose. And we might even share a few practical tools and strategies you can use to live life filled with love and a little magic. Thank you for spending your time with me today. Now let's get this show on the road. Hey, hey, welcome to this episode. Let me begin by saying thank you so much for the support and the response to the launch of this podcast and my first episode. It was, it was good. It felt really good to get that out of the way uh, and just to get started. I appreciate every comment and message I've received. It means so much to me. And it sounds like this format has struck a chord with you. I want this to be as conversational as possible. So in these episodes, I'll be referring to conversations we've had either in person uh, or via social media. So please keep those questions in the comments, etc. coming. One question that came up was how often I'll be posting episodes. The answer to that is at least weekly. I'm trialing Thursdays to be the day to release new episodes. I can see there being uh, a second episode, perhaps a shorter one being released on a Tuesday too. Uh, but we'll see. For now, for today, it's Thursday. So we'll see how that works. Something else that seemed to land well for people is the intention for this to be raw and honest and unfiltered. As you can tell, I don't have a studio. (laughs) Uh, I've not spent thousands uh, of dollars on equipment uh, and nobody edits or produces this podcast for me. I do it all myself. That's not because I'm a control freak or because I think I can do it better than anyone else. In fact, I'm literally figuring it out as I go. But the reason I've decided to get it done instead of getting it perfect first is that I've spent too much time, too much of my life trying to get things right before I, before I do them. And I think this need to be right or perfect or is, you know, is really counterproductive to actually doing something meaningful, uh, to taking risks and to developing courage uh, and, and vulnerability and, and doing something that's actually truly creative or innovative. And I've come to admire and appreciate people who just give it a go with good intentions. These are the kind of people I follow and I listen to, I admire and, and respect because they're doing the work. It's easy to talk a good game, but show me what you've done. Show me how you've learned and what you've learned through your experience. That's what's important to me. You know, what you've learned through your trials and your, and your failures. Uh, and then I'll listen. So I just wanted to provide some context uh, for why this is far from polished <laughs> uh, and to give you some encouragement to do that thing you've always wanted to do, ready or not. A good mate of mine, uh, a former boss uh, and a man whose work I respect greatly, Darren Hill, reminded me just a couple of weeks ago in a text message um, when I talked about some of the things that I wanted to do. He said, if not now, 
then when? And if not you, then who? So with that in mind, here is, <laughs> here is episode two of a Satisfied Mind podcast, unpolished as is. In this episode, I'd like to share a story with you. This is a story that has come to mean so much to me over the years. It has shaped who I am, um, what I, you know, why I do what I do, and, and, and it's, it's one of the main reasons why I'm doing this podcast in the first place, and it already makes me emotional just thinking about it. You see, this podcast and these stories are the stories, uh, you know, and the stories that I'll be sharing um, are more than just stories. This is our life. These events and experiences shape and they define who we are. And I think it's really important to understand how that happens and and why and exactly what it is we give meaning to and, and what meaning we make of these experiences because it's this, it's the meaning we attribute that become it becomes the stories we we tell and in turn be, you know becomes our lives and this story exemplifies why i'm so passionate about exploring and sharing people's stories and experience there there's a few people um you know if you're lucky who have a profound influence on your life people whose presence whose mere presence whose guidance whose love impacts you in a way that it changes who you are and it defines who you become. We're lucky to have these people in our lives and everyone's got someone, maybe a few people um, who are like soul contracts. They see you, they know you, they bring out the best in you. They make you feel something really unique. They recognize you for who you truly are, even when you're forgotten. And they're with you or at least their presence is with you whenever you need it, especially when you're forgotten or are struggling. For me, one of those people is my nan, Edna May. She's been on my mind lately, and I've been talking about her with a few few people. Last week, we celebrated what would have been her 99th birthday on the 7th of May. She loved a brandy and dry, or a chinzano and, and ginger ale, so... I poured a drink, I put on an old Lester, Lester Young record. She loved her jazz, she loved to dance, and I cooked one of her signature dishes, um, as did other people in our family. We enjoy reminiscing about her and I enjoy feeling her presence. And this story I'd like to share about her takes place in 2007. We lived in Brisbane and Nan lived in Perth in the same house she'd lived in for the past 40-something years. She was fiercely independent and lived alone and looked after herself. We'd see her every year, on average. Once a year, perhaps, we'd travel to Perth or she'd you know, travel to Brisbane. This particular year, Nan had come to Brisbane to visit her newborn uh, great-grandson, Dylan, who'd, who'd just been born. I'd always had a special affinity with Nan. I always felt safe and loved unconditionally in in her presence, you know, growing up as as a kid. She had the softest hands and she had the most wicked laugh and she laughed often. Uh, She was joyful. She was always singing and whistling. Had a great whistle. You know, some people have just got, you know, a really awesome whistle. Um, She loved dancing. She loved jokes and joking. Her home 
It smelt like chicken soup. It was familiar and it was warm. It was inviting and felt safe. And I was, you know, as I grew up um, through school and then, you know, during, during uni, she always took an interest in the things that I was interested in. You know, I shared my uni essays on philosophy and Eastern religions and epistemology and metaphysics. She herself was a student uh, of yoga and Tai Chi and, and had a curious mind and an open mind. And we had a beautiful connection and appreciation um, for life, a shared appreciation for life. And we still do. So whenever I had the chance to see her, I always made the most of it. And this particular visit in, in 2007, um, I was really intentional to, to make the most of it, but it felt different. Nan was 86 at that time, and she had recently been diagnosed with myeloma, cancer of the blood cells, which spreads pretty quickly. She had slowed down a bit, um, was still in good spirits. A sparkle was still there, but it had just lost a bit of its sheen. I always enjoyed conversations with Nan and learning about her and her life. Um, it was... And it was the day that she was due to fly back out to Perth. I think it was a Sunday. Uh, and we'd had lunch for her. Um, we had lunch at my parents' place. Um, I, I contemplated asking her some questions about her life. Um, but the time just didn't seem right. And so I, you know, I left it and, and simply enjoyed her company and, and seeing her interact with the family over lunch. However, I couldn't shake this niggle, this need to ask her some questions I'd bought a video camera uh, with me that day in my bag, which I'd bought just to capture some of the moments. And, and I thought, fuck it. I'm just going to ask and see if she's up to it. We didn't have a lot of time. And I didn't want to take away time from, this, you know, um, from her spending time with, with the rest of the family. Um, but I simply said, Nan, would you mind if I asked you a few questions about your life and, and recorded it? She, <laughs> she perked up immediately and was like, oh, yes, yes, of course. Like, um, shall I put some lippy on? <laughs> and so she did. She ducked off to the bathroom and, you know, um, I scrambled to set up the video uh, and, you know, shifted one of the lamps next to the couch and then zhuzhed herself up and, uh, and she came out and, and we began. Um, and as soon as we began that conversation, there was a, just an incredible innocence um, about how she, um, about how she, uh, how she showed up. I jotted down a few questions that I really wanted to know about her, questions that would give me an insight into who she was as a young woman that I didn't know, um, as a woman growing up, you know, as a partner, as a wife, as a, as a mother, as an independent and strong and loving woman you know, growing up in the, the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. I really only knew her as my nan and in, in that context. So I asked her about growing up. I asked her about meeting my pop and their courtship and I asked her about relationships and what it was like to be a parent, to grow up in times of uncertainty and rationing and shortages and uh, her love of ballroom dancing and music, her careers and her philosophy. I asked her what, it, you know, what matters to her, what she's learned and, and what advice she'd give future generations of our family. It was perhaps the most... Precious 20 minutes, half an hour I've spent with her. It got emotional uh, and it got real. And it looked like she appreciated it as much as I did. I stopped recording, um, hugged her and thanked her as we, 
had to leave, you know, soon after to take her um, back to the airport. I, I saved the recording, obviously. It was um, on an old video camera that recorded to tape and then I had to transfer it to DVD. And I did that and I edited the video and titled it. I titled it An Afternoon with Edna May. And I was so grateful for the opportunity to learn more about this woman who matters so much to me and, and our family and others, everyone that met her, um, you know, has a special place in their heart um, for her. And, you know, to learn more about her life and who she was. I knew that these stories, these are stories I'd like to share about her on her, on her behalf one day if she wasn't able to do that for herself. I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I followed that nudge, um, that little niggle to make the time to interview her. That interview on that day was the last time I would see my name. It was less than six months later that I remember receiving a phone call. Um, it was a Wednesday and I was at work in the classroom uh, and my mum rang. It was an unusual time for her to call, so uh, I knew something was up. And she told me uh, that Nan had been uh, travelling from her house to the hospital for treatment in a minibus. And the driver of that bus had an undisclosed medical condition. And whilst driving through Fremantle on the way to the hospital, he had a seizure. He was all over the road, smashing into parked cars. And my nan, a passenger, I think she was like one of six passengers, had got up, nan had got up to help. Now, uh, here's an 86 year old woman. Uh, I, I imagine, I'm, I imagine this being like uh, Sandra Bullock in that movie Speed moment. You know, it's it's what she would have done. She would have stepped up to help to do something. Um, but as she did, the bus hit a tree and she died at the scene. She was the only one. We were devastated, of course, for having. Uh, lost her and particularly under those circumstances. I like to think that given the fact that she was sick and facing, you know, further suffering, she on some level chose to go out like that. Uh, who knows? But, you know, we were devastated. What followed was, of course, the grieving uh, and the process of organising. And, you know, we flew back to those that were in Perth. We flew back to Perth to organise and run her funeral uh, which in itself was a wonderful testament to her, to her character um, and the impact that she had on so many people's lives. There was plenty of brandy and dry, plenty of laughs. Uh, I, even I even began the eulogy with a fart joke from a book of Irish jokes that, was, um, that we found. It was open on her bedside table. Um, and, you know, she would have loved that. She, you know, her beloved... Mint condition Jaffa Orange Datsun 180B that she cared for and was in a, just immaculate. Uh, that led the funeral procession and, and we all went to her Tai Chi studio for a few stretches uh, before the wake. It was, it was beautiful. Something I was so happy to be able to do was to make a copy of that interview we'd done just six months earlier. I made copies for everyone at the funeral so that they too could remember who she was in her own words, to hear stories that they may not have ever heard before and certainly would not have heard um, had I not, not asked and, you know, 
had those stories not been told um, by, by Nan. That time, those memories are irreplaceable and they are invaluable. And it almost didn't happen. I share this story with you to encourage you to ask the questions, to make the time and to document the lives and the stories and the anecdotes of people you love. It's just as valuable for them as it is for us. If Nan's response to, to you know, me asking um, for her to participate in that interview was any, anything to go by. These stories are our lives and they don't belong in memories that are fragile, you know, especially the older we get. These memories and these stories belong in conversations around dinner tables for generations to come. These stories are our culture. They're our, they're our legacy and they need to be told and they need storytellers. So if you've got a story to tell, please do tell it. And don't for a minute think it doesn't matter or that nobody is interested. It does matter. You matter. And it is interesting. And if you're curious about somebody and their stories, please ask them. Because there will come a time when you want to and you can't. And if experience is anything to go by, you simply don't know when that time will come. And so in this podcast, through stories through yours, mine and ours and stories like Nan's, um, we keep the legacy of great people who we have loved, uh, great people who have loved and lived well, um, we keep their legacy alive. And so I thank you for listening to this story uh, and I can't encourage you enough to keep telling yours and to keep asking questions. There'll be more stories coming up on future episodes, no doubt Edna May will feature in a few. She's got some cracking stories to tell. And, uh, and I'd be um, privileged and very proud to share them. Um, you've got some stories to tell too, so please share yours with me. And if you know anyone who needs to hear this story, um, please feel free to share this podcast with them. I'll be sending out a weekly newsletter, an update with all sorts of links and resources if you want to dig deeper into these topics. Um, and I'll let you know how to do that once I figure it out and get it up and running. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Please send me your comments and feedback. I'd love to hear it. And take care of each other. And lots of love. And on behalf of Edna May, cheers. I'll see you soon.